Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the final episode of season two of Opera After Dark. The final episode. Yay! That's so crazy. crazy. What number is that? Bittersweet. 16. That's no. a good question. <laughs> Sorry, I've already stumped us and we haven't even done anything. This episode's going to be great. It's episode 65, this. Guys, we did 65 nice. episodes? 65 of these. And there are people that listen 65. to it. 65. I mean, we're pretty right. entertaining. Right? I think we're entertaining, but that doesn't mean other people do. Yeah, That's true. We're, we're entertaining to ourselves, <laughs> to say the least. Right. But we do we do know factually that there are fans of the podcast. And Naomi, how do we know that? <gasps> we know this because we got the most amazing physical gift in the mail from what we are now calling our Opera After Dark super fan, mm-hmm. Christoph Bum. Christoph, sent us a gift thank all the you way so from much. Germany. Thank you, yes. We will hang it on the wall of our eventual studio space. That's right. We, <laughs> we don't have an Opera After Dark studio yet, mm-hmm. but when we do, it will be the first piece of art that we hang. And right. I got to say, Christoph tweeted at, at us mm-hmm. and tweeted a picture and in the picture, I thought it was like a postcard or a little like small envelope. And then when the when it came, it was much more substantial than just a little postcard. And so it was such a pleasant and unexpected surprise. It really made our day. And we had so much fun opening it. And it was. <laughs> Sorry. And it was a an original poster like a vintage poster for a German production of The Mute Girl of Portici. Yeah. Right. Super nice. So nice. Such a nice gift. Really cool. And he explained in, Christoph explained in his letter that it's from a house that was commonly, it commonly had the, some Wagner premieres in it. Is that correct? Or just original Wagner productions? Yes. That was explained. We'll yes. we'll we'll put an explanation on the website and on social media so you guys can see the amazing gift that this is. It's pretty incredible. It's awesome. Yeah. And right now it's sitting on my desk at work and many people have walked by at other work and have walked by and said, "What is that?" And so right. it's definitely a conversation starter. This is true. Well, thank you so much, Christoph. Thank you. Thank and, you. And also, thank you to everybody else that has supported the podcast along the way. We have wonderful reviews in iTunes and elsewhere, and we're so thankful that you guys are enjoying the podcast. It makes it more fun for us to produce knowing that there's uh, people out there that are really enjoying it. So thanks for, for sticking with us. Definitely. Um, we're uh, we're back today, all three of us. I know last week everybody missed Kyle. But Sorry he was, about it. He was there in spirit. <laughs> he was not. there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> he was there in spirit. Um, but for the last episode of our second season, we're going to talk about an opera that was um, the first world premiere that the Met ever had. Woo! In nice. 1910. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is La Fanchula del West, or The Girl of the Golden West, which is an opera that um, I've only seen once, but I get a big kick out of it because it just is it, stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I've never seen it all the way through. I've only seen clips here and oh, yeah? there. There are way too many men I in feel it. Like, There's a lot of I men. I feel like I would love it. I'm, I'm not even ashamed to say that. I feel like I would really 
enjoy. I only know one person that has ever said to me that they thought it was the most amazing thing ever, and it's because mm-hmm. she got extremely drunk and then went and saw the <laughs> opera because she forgot she had tickets. And the whole time she's like, I didn't even know what was going on. I was just like weeping. I was so drunk. I didn't know what was happening, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So maybe that's we how should, you need to experience this. We should come up with a Fanchula drinking game or something like that. Whenever they use an English word. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whenever they use an English word, oh you drink. Uh, I don't know. I don't know enough about the opera to know what else so, well, you would do. We know do. that Puccini is a huge fan of um, writing operas in exotic locations, like the desert in, of New Orleans. Right. <laughs> he's not a man the that's far, like, the far east in Turandot. Right. He's not a man who um, facts check things. He, <laughs> Investigates. He investigate. Right. Um, but Fanchula is actually based on a play that apparently was pretty popular by an American playwright. Yeah. This guy mm-hmm. named David Belasco. And David Belasco is famous because there's a theater um, on Broadway called the Belasco Theater. Is it named after him? Hey. And it's named after him. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and they just finished a run of that play, uh, Farinelli and the King, with Yestin Davies. That was the Belasco. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I've been there. Well, wouldn't you know? What a weird fact that I have on the tip of my fingers. Yeah. I, uh, there are no women in this opera. <laughs> There's one woman. There are two women. There's two women. One of them yeah. is a racist caricature. Yes. Uh, confession time. I have a very weird, slightly robust history with this opera. Oh, please tell us. Because when I started my studies at the Graduate Center for my PhD, Mm -hmm. you have to take a course that is called uh, Research Methods or like Introduction to Musicological Research Methods. And it so happened that the professor who taught that course when I started was a Puccini scholar, Puccini specialist, and he, one of the assignments that we had to do to kind of get our musicological chops sharpened Mm. was we had to do a sketch study. So sketch studies are when you look at the actual manuscripts that the composers were working out their compositional ideas in for the opera. And so one of our assignments was this sketch study where he gave us one page of the original autograph score and sketches for La Fanchula del West. And he told us the name of the opera. He told us the composer. And then he said, I'm not going to tell you anything else. And now in two weeks, you have to write a paper on what you can find out from this like one page. Okay. And Mm. it's not, it wasn't even clear if what you were looking at on the page made it into the actual (laughs) opera. Like, was it just an idea he was working on? This kind of thing. And so it was... It was like a fast and furious get to know La Fanchula del West really well, really quickly, um, in order to write mm. a paper on this one page of the sketch mm-hmm. from the Puccini manuscripts. So I did like a, a deep dive into Fanchula, and that was many years ago. So, so you don't remember anything? I don't remember much, but. <laughs> so um, you needed some brushing Right, up. but I, I did remember, I do remember a really fun factoid. Okay. Um, speaking of the whole like English words drinking game. So one of the characters in this, the sheriff, this is set in like the wild, the wild west. It's set right. in California during the gold rush. Yes. Hence the golden west. That's what the. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and so one of the characters is the sheriff. His name is Jack Rance. But Puccini did not know 
that you pronounce the name R-A-N-C-E mm -hmm. as Rance. So he was pronouncing it Ranche. And so <laughs> in all of the vocal lines, whenever someone sang the name Jack Rance, that he would write two rhythms and mm -hmm. two or two pitches or at least two rhythms in order to set both syllables. And then after he actually completed the opera, he found out that he had been pronouncing it incorrectly. So then he had to go back and oh, change man. all of those endings to Something a one syllable. Something he could have just checked. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Ranche. Oh, no, sorry. Ranche. Ranche, yes. That's yeah. a little bit raunchy. Ha. Hey. Oh. Oh. And then also speaking of English words, I have to say my favorite line in this, it's pretty close to the beginning, is when the characters go on stage and they sing, Hello, Nick. Hello, Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> and then they carry on in Italian. But it's awesome. Puccini went yeah. to see this play when he was or a silent film based on this play. Right. right. He became like obsessed with the idea of this like Wild West yes. California. Mm -hmm. and, and he saw it when he was here in New York mm -hmm. and then became obsessed uh. with it. And he was like, I'm going to write a spaghetti Western Italian opera because that's an excellent <laughs> spaghetti Western. <idea>. So, <laughs> so it is in yeah. a spaghetti Western Italian opera. The tenor's name is Dick Johnson. He also goes by. Um, Ramirez. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because he is a, really? a bandit. A bandit. He's a bandit. Yes. He's a bandit? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. There are no women in this opera. <laughs> There's Minnie, and then there is a character. I don't even know. Is this character, like, her maid, or? I don't know. She's a Native American. Um, Man. And how? I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Wolkley? Sure. Well, with in her lover, fairness, Billy Jack Rabbit. Right. And their baby. <laughs> it's not really justifiable, but this was something from the early 1900s where oh, yeah. uh, people were not as forward thinking as they are today. So. Um, yeah, that's true. So um, the Met pushed real hard to have, to be able to premiere you know, Puccini's latest opera or whatever. Um, and like mm -hmm. Enrico Caruso was the first, the first dick. Um, <laughs> nice. And it was really popular, but then it just sort of fell out of favor and fell into obscurity. Oh, really? Fell into obscurity. Apparently Puccini really thought it was the best thing he ever wrote. Totally. Really? Yeah. But so then when did it come back into the repertoire? I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's that popular. Yeah, it's almost yeah, never but done. You like, the Met only did it well because it was the hundred year anniversary. The one hundred year, the one hundredth anniversary oh. of its world premiere. Well, they're about they're about to do it again, right? The Met. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets a chance to see Dick and Minnie. Yeah, Jonas yeah. Kaufman, right? Dressed up like a cowboy. That's gonna well, be great. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, so. The other thing that this opera, the other factoid I remember, <laughs> this is, these are like the two things that really stuck with me. There's one line from this musical line from this opera mm -hmm. that basically becomes a major theme in The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Are you aware right. of this? No, no. 
that's a huge theme that runs throughout this whole opera. It keeps coming back over and over mm -hmm. again. And in the Phantom of the Opera, it's turn the turn your, your face, face away, away from, from the, the garish light of day. What a cheat, right? Andrew Lloyd Webber. He stole stuff. <laughs> he stole stuff from Schubert too, right? Yep. Oh, he did. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of homage in Andrew Lloyd Webber. Homage. That's yeah. It's not. Bullshit. It's not theft. It's homage. It's an homage. What an does homage. that? Does that theme signify anything? Is like the love theme or? I can't really remember, but it's possible that it has some kind of like stronger leitmotifish meaning. Mm. But I really, honestly, can't remember. I do love when people, you know, they're not necessarily opera people, but they feel like they're musical theater people, and they're like, oh, Phantom, so good. so." And then you, I love being able to say, well, some of it was ripped off from an actual opera. <laughs> you know, this, despite what you might think, Phantom of the Opera is not opera. That's, Nobody that's thinks a, that. Right. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> That's a discussion for another time. An another episode, another day. All right, maybe right. we should talk about what actually happens in this opera. Sure. Right. So we already we already know a lot about Puccini. We've got episode right, number one. Episode yeah, number how, one. Yeah, you can go back and listen to all that. We talked about Fenchula a little bit and who they think that that character. Whatever. Yeah. Just right. Go right. And we'll we'll touch on that. Uh, oh, timing wise, we'll that. so when when was the premiere of Fenchula? 1910. 1910. Good December round year. December 10th, 1910. Oh, December man. 12, 10, 10. Locked That's in. great. That's excellent. Okay. So if you're going Met to see, let's say you're going to the Met next year, you're going to see Fanchula, let's break it down really simply so you can understand what's going on. So it takes place around like 1850. Mm -hmm. You're in California in a mining camp. So everybody's mining for gold. Right. Yeah. This is the time. There's a saloon called the Polka Saloon. Minnie hey. owns it. Nice. Like one of two women in the opera owns the saloon. Yes. Hey yes, in this mining camp. And so um, a group of miners, gold rush miners, enter and they say, you know, hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Nick. A la polka, to the polka. You don't need to know their names. It doesn't fucking matter. There are too many of them. <laughs> they, they're all there. They all think Minnie is great, probably because she's literally the only, hey, the only one. The other one has a baby, so nobody's interested in that. That's probably more accurate. I mean, the, the women didn't mind, so. Right, because Puccini's super interested in I the just, accuracy. Of I things. just mean, when you are, I'm sure when you're in a mining camp, there actually were hardly any women around. Yeah, well, the other thing that people argue about with this opera is that the only women that, historically speaking, would have been around would not have been saloon owners. That's right. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. would not, not have been not. prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right, Kyle. You're right. No, no, they would, they would not one? own their own Can business. I? Right. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it's not, not a business per se. It's a business. They're more of independent contractors. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so. Right. All right, so the, the lots of people dudes, in the saloon. Um, whatever. Their names don't matter. Mm -hmm. They're drinking. They're having a good time. They're playing cards. They accuse this one guy of cheating, and they're getting into a big fight. And guess who shows up? The bad guy. Dick Johnson? No. The oh. baritone. 
Jack Ranche. Jack Ranche. Jack Ranche. Oh, Jack Ranche. Sorry. I thought I heard something else. Continue. Continue. Rance. Jack Rance is the sheriff of this little camp slash village, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So he breaks up the fight. And the only thing you need to know about Ranche over here um, (laughs) is that he loves Minnie. Obviously, she's the only woman in town. Right. Um, And she's done doesn't dig it the last production i saw the baritone had like this huge mustache and that probably had something to do with it oh yeah. she wasn't digging the mustache does anyone look good in a mustache i ask you seriously if we can table <sighs> for a second and talk about something else i saw lobby hero a couple of weeks ago and chris evans is in that so he's captain america right mm-hmm. and he had a mustache could not pull it off no one looks good with a mustache if captain america doesn't look good with a mustache who can carry off a mustache well, some people I look good with thoughts. some people look good with beards. That that's include, a different thing. That I love a mustache. A, I, that's a different thing. I love a beard. I mean, straight up solo mustache. Can you think of anyone that can wear that and not look like? I feel like I've known they're starring people. Starring in a porno in the seventies. It's probably just that I've gotten used to them with a mustache. But like, you meet somebody that has a mustache, and that's just how you know them. And then they shave it off, and you're like, ugh, horrified. Like, Look yeah. at your naked face. You're right. I mean, my <laughs> my father has had a mustache, a solo mustache, for my entire life. I've never seen him without one. Does he? Yeah. I'm sure and he looks great. That didn't bother me. <laughs> but but at the same time, like. He's he's an Italian man, and so I feel like Italian men can carry a mustache. I think it's maybe also you an have age. to be Italian. I think it's yeah. an age thing too. Like when you see like a, mm, a twenty-year-old guy with a mustache, and you're, you're just like, oh, what a little what a hipster in your hipster mustache. Yeah, I mean, my father also doesn't do anything super trendy with his mustache. Like, there's <laughs> no, no handlebars. Tips. There's no wax tips. There's no curl. There's mm-hmm. no handlebar. So I uh, feel like my like, brother that had... draws so much attention to the mustache when you style it. Right. So. My brother had handlebars up until recently, and it was oh, terrible. No. It was horrible. <laughs> we like we gave him shit about it nonstop. <laughs> um, but if you're into it, you're into it. You know. I, I guess so, but I have to say that I am with Elspeth that I can't really think of, like, a person my age that I've seen. <laughs> you don't see a Maybe mustache and go, like, older. ooh. Ooh, right. Moist. Yeah, no, I've yeah. never done that. <laughs> but. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So we're just going to assume that Jack Rance has, has a, mustache. a mustache. And that's yeah. part of the reason why Minnie is not interested. Uh, yeah, right. a mustache and a Stetson. It's not so, written into the opera, but... We'll assume. Right. Let's just assume. So um, then the doors of the saloon open, and this uh, guy, this Wells Fargo agent, comes in. Because the like Wells actually? Fargo wagon is all coming down the street. Oh, please let it be for me. I'm, I'm pretty gullible. It's it's, is it really Wells Fargo? It, yeah. Yes. It like yeah. In the cast list, it says that there the the name of the Wells Fargo agent is Ashby because nice. Wells Fargo started out as they like had a, right. a cart a cart that went you know mm-hmm. it's a coming down the street. I wish I wish I knew what it could be. <laughs> nice. Sadly, okay. So not in this opera. All right. So his name's Ashby. He comes in and he's like, "Hey guys, what's up?" I'm looking for this bandit named Ramirez and his gang of Mexicans. So let's just ignore that. Um, <laughs> if you Fair see the, if you see someone new and suspicious, c- 
come find me. I'm looking for this guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so he leaves and then rants. I'm just going to call him Ranche. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Ranche. Ranche proposes a toast to everybody in the saloon, and he toasts Minnie, and he says, Minnie's awesome. She's my future wife. Ooh. Which is not creepy. Um, right. And all the other guys in the saloon, and one in particular is like, I don't like that. You're terrible. We all love Minnie. And they get into this big fight, and Ranche pulls out his gun. Ooh. Um, and it's going to get real bad, right? And then all of a sudden, you hear a gun go off, and everybody pans to behind the bar, and there's Minnie, and she's got a revolver, and she shot it in the air, and she's like, sit your asses down. Nice. And then she reads them a story from the Bible. When when I saw Fanchula at the Met on the 100th anniversary, I just overheard at intermission somebody saying, like, she reads them a Bible story? Like, that's not what she would have been doing then. <laughs> and that's I probably like, the only book that they've got out there. Right? And right. I was like, you know, you know, Puccini's trying to keep this, like, PG, you know? So, sure, sure. Yeah. So she reads them a, a story from the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. She sings this pretty little aria. And then somebody from the Pony Express comes in, and they have a telegram for Ranche saying that they found Ramirez in his hideout with his bandits. So nice. um, Ranche goes to leave, and he's like, I'm going to go get Ramirez. Minnie, I love you. And Minnie's like, uh, I'm just waiting for the right guy. <laughs> and you're not him. <laughs> um, so then a stranger enters. <gasps> And he asks Ooh. for whiskey and water. Ooh, classic. Is that from a song? No, it's whiskey and wine. Uh, oh, no, I think there is a, like, uh, whiskey and water make me crazy. No, good or old boys drinking whiskey and wine, singing this will be the day that Are you sure I it's whiskey die? and wine and not whiskey and rye? I think it's whiskey and rye. Oh, it's I, rye? Okay. I don't know. Right. This I think the there is. I, I think there's something <laughs> about whiskey and water. 12 minutes of the podcast is us singing American pod. <laughs> there's a country song, I think, that has to do with water and whiskey, but I'm not sure. Anyhow, um, so the stranger asks for whiskey and water, and he introduces himself. He says, Mio nome e Deke Johnson. Deke Johnson. Deke Johnson. And I'm from Sacramento. <laughs> as all bandits are <laughs> so he and Minnie have like a little moment and he asks Minnie to dance and she's like yeah because they're obviously the tenor and the soprano so this is meant to be right, right. and Ranche sees them and Ranche's like I don't like this at all um, yeah and so then the Wells Fargo wagon comes back <laughs> the Wells Fargo wagon comes back down the street and the guy has captured one of Ramirez's bandits, a guy named Castro. Nice. So Castro looks in and he sees Mionome e Dick Johnson, who is obviously Ramirez. Ramirez. Mm-hmm. And Castro decides to, um, to save his leader. He tells Ranche that he will take them out to their hideaway where he can capture Ramirez. So everybody uh, leaves. And before Castro goes with them, he whispers to uh, to Dick that mm-hmm. somebody will whistle, and he's Dick got a reply to confirm that the place is clear. Mm-hmm. So you hear a whistle in the distance, but then Dick doesn't do anything. Huh? What a huh? what a Dick! I know. <laughs> I know. 
So some, <laughs> like, some other shit happens. Minnie's got like a keg of gold that she's mined and Dick is like, don't worry, I'll protect it. No one's going to steal it, whatever. Um, and then he totally steals it. I bet that happens. Well, no, 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 no. Before he leaves, he promises to visit Minnie in her cabin. And then they confess their love for each other. Because nice. that's a thing that happens. Uh-huh. How have they even like been together long enough, like physically in the same place, to know that they love each other? I mean, it's opera, but still. It wouldn't be Puccini unless people fall in love within 20 minutes. Yeah, like And that, that means, I mean 20 minutes of actual stage time, which usually right. includes two arias, so like 10 minutes, let's be honest. Okay. All right, so they confess their love. Right. And then act two. We're in Minnie's house. Is this two of two? No. Two, two of four? Three. Two of three. Ah, okay, interesting. Minnie's house. Three. Minnie's house. Um, Dick shows up. They hang a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dick, oh, what does he say to her? It's something that I find, like, endlessly creepy. Um, Is this the poker? He asks if he, if he can take um, her first kiss from her because she's never been kissed. Oh, right. Yeah, that's super weird. Really? She owns a saloon? <laughs> she owns a saloon Look, and she's she never knows been how, kissed? She's waiting for the right man. She mm. knows how to operate a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. So, so they he wants kiss, to... and then Minnie is like, "Why don't you just stay till morning?" Whoa! I know. She wants and to gold, she's like, hey. gold mine and chill. Yeah, she wants to gold mine and chill. Oh my god, I like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so and she's like, "By the way, I mean, you're not Ramirez, right?" And he's like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Oh, man. This is getting better and better. All right. Um, and they hear some no- a noise outside, so she hides Dick, and then this posse enters. Um, and they're looking for Ramirez, and they reveal to Minnie that, you know, Ramirez and, and Dick are one and the same. Dun, dun, Shocker. Dun, 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 dun. So they, she... Um, they leave, and then she, Dick comes out, and she's like, I can't believe you lied to me. Get out. I gave you my first kiss. Um, I know, right? Wink, how wink. Old, how old are wink, these people? Wink. <laughs> wink. Um, and so he leaves, but then you hear a gunshot. And she's like, oh, no, what happened? And, of course, Dick comes back in. And he's like, oh, I've been shot. And she's like, oh, no. Um, and so she hides him up in the loft because who's right hot in his heels? Ronche. Ronche. And um, Ronche is like, I know. get you. Ronche's exactly. Gonna get you. Ronche's like, where is he? Where is he? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And he's about to leave. And then, ugh, it's so stupid. Like blood drips um, from the ceiling. There's one drop of blood uh, of that course. comes from the ceiling. And he's like, seriously? What's this? Oh, no. They fall They fall um, from the ceiling of the ceiling um, underneath the loft. They fall into to Ronche's hand. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, what's this? My name's Lut. <laughs> He's like gesturing, like, well, okay. Well, I guess I'm gonna I, go, um, and then uh, I guess I'm gonna go, palms up, right. and then drop, drop. So then Ronchi, Ronchi pulls out his gun. He's like, "Get down, I'm gonna kill you." And Minnie's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Um, if I beat you at poker, you've got to let Dick go free. And if Ronchi wins, she'll marry him." Dang. Una partita a poker. 
Yeah, let's listen to that. Io penso solamente che t'avrò fra le mie braccia. Tre pedi ti vinco! Posso Jack, per pietà! Ogni cosa sta male! Che devo darvi? Ah, le bottiglie, prego! Ma mi chiedo me! Presto Jack, mi lo chiedo! happens and Minnie hides some cards in her stocking so she cheats mm-hmm. and she wins um, and so Ranche honors the deal and he leaves and then Minnie throws herself on the floor next to the unconscious body of Dave <laughs> Johnson who's been here the whole time he's like bleeding out and they're playing poker to keep him safe well yeah okay guys um, <laughs> either, either way could I just uh, can I get some help <laughs> So in the third act, which takes place in the great Californian forest at mm. dawn. Oh. We thinking so, like redwoods? We thinking Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Near near but not that close to Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. Nome <laughs> Edith Johnson. Right. From Sacramento. Um so Sono di Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So Minnie patched Dick up, and so Dick is now on the run again. Um, Ranche is discussing uh, Johnson with, like, the other miners and the Wells Fargo guy, and he's like, I don't know what Minnie sees in this dude. Um, and then someone comes running up, and they're like, Dick has been captured. We've captured the Dick. Nice. Um, so Ranche and all the other dudes, because there are no other women, want uh, Dick to be hanged. And Dick mm-hmm. says uh, he will accept his fate, but he only asks the miners not to tell Minnie about his capture because he doesn't want her to know that this happened. And he sings, I think, what's really the only famous aria yeah. in this opera, the Kella Mi Creda. So mm. let's listen to some of that. Passeranno i giorni, passeranno i giorni, 
And because this is a small town, word's gotten around. So of course the aria is over, and who shows up with a gun? But Minnie. Nice. Minnie. And she throws herself in front of Dick and is just like, if you're going to hang him, you have to go through me. Um, and then Ranche and the miners move in, and she looks to all the miners, and she's like, haven't I given you so much, and um, you owe me too much? How can you possibly kill the man that I love? I read you Bible verses, and I beat you and get you drunk and all of this <laughs> shit. Um, I'll quit pouring you drinks, okay? okay? Right. And one by one, of course, the miners feel guilty, and they're like, of course, Minnie, we would never do this to you. Right. We all love you. This is the man that you love. Oh, man. Right. And Ronche's not too happy about this, but he's sort of outnumbered, so he's like, fine. <laughs> and they set him free. Um, and everyone says goodbye to them, and Minnie and Dick leave California for unknown territory to start a new life together. Wow. In, I don't know. In the Midwest? The- <laughs> is that the only Puccini opera that has a happy ending? Um, that's oh, a good question. Nobody dies, right? Well, like, nobody dies in Johnny Skiki. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny ending in Johnny Skiki, but it's like not good for the family. But you're right; they're dicks. Right, they are. Yeah. Yeah, but so, I feel like all the other ones are totally bad. A lot of yeah. people, oh, people, a lot of people, the people who like to talk about Puccini and his personal life and its influence on his compositions, mm-hmm. they talk about how they think that the character of Minnie was inspired by this woman that he was in love with and had like an ongoing affair with in Torre del Lago. Right. Um, who would have been, I guess, like the cousin or something like that of Dorian Manfredi. So if you want to know more about that, you can listen to episodes one, just episode one, right? Yeah. I mm-hmm. think so, Episode yeah. one, all about Puccini. And so, but this idea that he had a, a real life model for, for the character of Minnie and this person that he was in love with, that he had this affair with, did own some kind of hotel or something like Mm -hmm. that or some kind of public house that was, you know, that people could go to. It wasn't a saloon, but I think it was a hotel or a villa or something like that in Torre del Lago. So he had some kind of model for the strong woman that he created in Mini. Huh. Okay, then. Well, now we have that. And that is... Fanchula del West. La Fanchula del West. There's also a great book called Puccini and the Girl, which I think is all about... Puccini and the Girl. ...the creation of this opera. So, check it out, folks. Check it out. Okay. Free plug for whoever wrote that book. (laughs) Well, ladies, what is there anything we have to look forward to uh, for next season of Opera After Dark? Anything we've got? Aces in the Hole? See what I did there? There's a cards reference. Oh, Pokare. <laughs> nice. We yeah. Well, we are planning already Opera After Dark Season 3, mm-hmm. so don't worry. We will be back with you after we all enjoy a little bit of a break a over summer the summer. Break, yeah. And yeah. we are hoping to do some fun things next season, hoping to interview some pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to possibly expand our repertoire of... Um, beverages that we 
consume while recording mm-hmm. this. Yes, so. very important. Very important. Yes. So you can, to expand one's horizons. Yes. You can look for us in fall of 2018. Mm-hmm. We're talking mm-hmm. like uh, September. So yeah. keep well, an eye out. In the meantime, <laughs> if you have things that you would like to hear us talk about, I suppose you can tweet at us or mm-hmm. reach out yeah. to us on Facebook. I mean, we're open to ideas. So Email any of us at our first names at operaafterdark.com. Yeah, dot com. Dot com. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's it. Guys, thanks for listening to season two. Thank you so much for listening. We've had a lot of fun creating it for you. Yeah. So. Who thought we would have gotten this far? We did a thing, guys. <laughs> we did right, a thing. Right, right. All right. Well, for now, I'm Kyle. I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. Bye. Did you say Fanula? Fanula. I saved it with a typo, but that's okay. (laughs) Fanula. Fanula del West. Yes.